But it was well. The interesting thing was that I thought interesting anyway that Justin Jones has now been elected to his seat three times. Yeah, I think he's pretty secure. Seems like he's in a good spot. I think he probably is. Uh, uh, It's you know, although I found the other one, the the Bill Beck replacement. I think yeah, we got to talk about that. Oh yeah, we should do an episode. Well, you know what? Let's just do let's do a podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a thing. I I think this is the BNA podcast, isn't it? I'm Brian and I'm Jay. election edition of the BNA podcast after uh, having interviewed a, a bunch of mayoral candidates in the lead up uh, as well as a district 11 where we live uh, we now have the results and so we're going to talk about them a little bit yeah it was a it was a fascinating election day I uh, I work at the polls as a poll worker because yes. well during the pan it all started because during the pandemic they needed some non-octogenarians to work at the polls because they thought all of the you know, particularly elderly folks that often participate in that job might die. Yeah. No, so no, uh, so I, I started doing that. And now it's really fun. It's something I enjoy doing. But they're, they're, it was yeah. fascinating to watch. I'm sure it is. It's You know, what I do on election days, there's this luncheon that's thrown by um, somebody that's been in politics for a long time. Uh, in democratic politics and she uh, holds this luncheon on election day whenever election day happens and barbecue and all sorts of really good food yeah but every political figure in the democratic party shows up at this thing so i sat uh having lunch next to former mayor bill purcell and uh, we ended up talking about methodist politics and not uh city politics but yeah the methodist politics are actually every bit as bloody as the uh absolutely (laughs) but it would but it was good it was a, a good day and so now we're moving towards a runoff because as was to be expected when you have 12 candidates for mayor um, only two can have the possibility of getting f- over 50%, and none of them did. So uh, so what we are left with is, uh, in six weeks, I think it is, uh, another election between Freddie O'Connell and Alice Raleigh. Any of your thoughts about that turnout? Well, I think that— turnout? <sighs> Or how, well, uh, how it turned think turned how out. it turned out. I was going to say turnout's a whole different subject, yeah. but the or the lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. We always knew it was going to be Freddie was always going to be number one. Right. He actually spent less money, like than the following three people combined. Uh, what Freddie did, though, he did good retail politics. Absolutely, he was present. From the time he decided to run, and there is an advantage to announcing early because he was able to be more places to interact with more folks. Yeah, he he Uh, just did a good job. I mean, he's been... um, I'm happy about that one. I I was completely and totally undecided about the mayoral election until Steve Smith started running ads. Well, you know, and that... And that won the election, no question. That won the election for Freddie. No, absolutely. I mean, he raised more money out of those ads than anything else. And that's what I'm a little worried about in the election to come is uh, it could get really mean. I don't think so much from Freddie's side, but I think the, it can the get mean, but it's a gimme. Stuff. It is. It's it, a gimme. I mean, you can't lose. Uh, but there's 
you know. There's a reason there hasn't been a Republican mayor in the city of Nashville well, in a long time, and it's because it's a 70-30 city. Yeah. So. so so the way it looks is we got Freddie versus Alice Raleigh. Alice uh, had 20% of the vote. Uh, Freddie had about 27, just a little over 27% of the vote. And so now the big question is going to be, where do the votes from the other candidates go? Um, right. And so it's 90 over 90 percent of those go to Freddie. Probably. But they're all I mean, the same. except so, Alice. so they are in some ways, although Matt Wiltshire, who was third, had 16, almost 17 percent of the vote. His he drew from some of that conservative Democratic base. He drew from from the business class, the economic yeah, development class. That's true. And my fear is, is that that group is going to, because they perceive Freddie as being super liberal, that there may be some, rather than going for Matt, that they might go to Alice. Right. We'll and see. if that's true, then it's 60-40 instead of 70-30 exactly. for Freddie. Yeah, I think that's But I mean, right. it's like, I think that what will absolutely solidify it right. will be Steve Smith running ads of people like pooping on Broadway and running ads about, you know, the craziness that he ran. I mean, the, these ads were, they were hilarious because the ones that Steve ran about Broadway, yeah, he's responsible for almost everything that was in those ads. Exactly. I mean, Steve's almost personally responsible no, I think for that's most exactly of those right. things. You know, the people, you know. people drunk and pooping on Broadway have been in one of Steve's bars. Right. You know, that's... But there's this whole group of them. Bobby Jocelyn is one of them. And, you know, they ran those ads where they, you know, as the friends of Enoch Fuzz. For those mm. folks who don't know, Enoch Fuzz is an African-American pastor. Black pastor has been a um, stalwart kind of civil rights, social justice guy in this community for years and years. And... um it was a very intentional move to try to speak to the black community and say, oh, you don't want Freddie. This is not your guy. Yeah. This is not your guy. That was also um, fraudulent. And it was completely illegal. fraudulent and illegal. Um, and probably a violation of the election rules. And they will, uh, we'll see if it, if it became something more than just a silly childish, which is what it turned out to be. It turned out to be a toddler-esque political stunt. It's. But at some point, you got to sue those people. But they need to be held accountable. They also, at some point, need to realize this doesn't work because we had a. It in is one the, of the opposite. Pre- <laughs> in one of the previous elections, there was a Republican operative uh, who went out and bought the name of an old sort of civil rights social justice organization uh, right. that had kind of stopped operating, bought their name, and then put out flyers in the black community basically saying, oh, we're supporting the the Republican guy. Right. And um, it didn't work. It just no, it doesn't just doesn't. It, it doesn't work because modern, you know, as a, as a Republican of over 40 years, it doesn't work because modern Republicans um, have no message. They have no, I mean, we interviewed all these guys. Right. Every time somebody leaned over a little bit into a conservative issue, uh-huh. never did they have an answer to a policy. What would you do? Right. Even, and you know, and people that are listening, when you interview these folks, you know, it's that 15 minutes before and a half an hour afterwards right. where you learn everything you need to know. And now that it's all said and done, we ask a lot of harder questions afterwards sometimes because you can do that. You know, yeah. just walk into the car. Right. Um, and even the walking, there was nobody had a plan. Right. When it leans right now, leaning to the right means hating somebody enough to get you to vote for me because you hate them too. Right. And it's like, that's just not a message. It's a city. Right. right? We're all, this is not even like in the national politics. 
it's uh, it's fascinating to watch um, the everybody rally around somebody who's going to be under at least four indictments by yeah, election day, you know, exactly. maybe five, exactly, and they're all going to vote for him yeah. in the primary. I think it's what frustrated me. You know, as I think about our interviews and the conversations, what frustrated me most about Alice uh-huh. uh, is that. When we engaged in that conversation, I felt like she had some very reasonable policy kinds of ideas yeah. that that I could get my head around. And I, we and liked I could Alice see, a lot, by the way. We did. We we really, um, you know, I came into it expecting, oh, she's a Republican. I may not want to go this direction. Right, right. But, but she had some really pointed ideas that I think that were good. But then when I see her advertising her out in public, it's kind of that red meat Republican kind of stuff. I think which she's, is the problem. It all goes. All, it's yeah. just, that's not who any of these people are. And exactly. the problem with the right in the in our country today is, and particularly in Tennessee, it's like seventy five percent of the sta- people in the state of Tennessee want something to happen in the legislature special session, right? And Every member of leadership has said before it's even been called Mm -hmm. that it will not happen. Right. Right. So a little 20 percent sliver of the country are making all the decisions. They're really loud. They're really well funded. And it's, you know, every totalitarian authoritarian regime always starts the same way. Right. You get Mm -hmm. a little sliver of people that are that you can easily fund. It's easy to manipulate them. Yeah. And, you know, you see it even – so it boils all the way down to city politics when Alice, when interviewed, has these sort of reasonable, balanced, moderate views about this, that, and the other. Right. And then as soon as she walked off stage in one of the forums said that she would disband the school board. Right. And it's like, well, then you need to – I mean, that's okay. It's political speech. You're allowed to want to disband the school board. Right. That is a political policy you are allowed to – but you got to say it on stage into the microphone. Exactly. Not afterwards on the way to the car. Exactly. So I don't know. It was all just a big circle. And Freddie, of the two people we have left, mm-hmm. Freddie sat down and said, here's what I want to do. Yeah. No, I think he's – I mean, that's the bit – the sort of the – the knock on him sometimes is that he's a policy wonk. He's a policy nerd. I mean, but at some point you want somebody that kind of knows specifically what they want to do, even if, you yeah. know, and then you can decide whether you want to agree with that or Absolutely. not. Absolutely. You can vote yay or nay, but the but at least there's something to vote on. Exactly. You know, looking down the rest of the list, it's, yeah. it's really interesting. So you have Freddie and Alice, and then behind were Matt, Jeff, Yarbrough, and Heidi Campbell. Right. Um and then Sharon Hurt, all of those were folks that we interviewed. Um, and it's striking to me that I think the worst thing that happened to Matt Wiltshire was Jeff Yarbrough getting in the race. Oh, for sure. Because I think they drew on the same group of voters. They Apparently, they were they have been friends in the past. And uh, from what I understand, Matt didn't even find out that Jeff was running until he read it in the paper. Uh, but so I don't know how that friendship is going right now. But all of that's to say, if Jeff had not run, Matt probably would have get, gotten all of those votes, I think, and would may have been at the top of the list. I, I was looking at this thing, too, by the way, the in early voting. Yeah. You know, you've got over a thousand votes. Uh, for Jim Gingrich, yeah, that were early voting votes, which is always like we really this is the best mm-hmm. example to me 
of late in Nashville, it, although it always seems to go the same way. But it's like, this is the best example of late for ranked choice voting. Yeah. No. We would be done today. First of all, there would not be the expense of another election. So right. if you're on the conservative side, it's ludicrous to pay for two elections every time we elect a mayor. We, we either need to do that or we need to have a primary. Uh, let's sure. Just, let's just forget this by But if you have a primary, you still got two, and it's like... Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's like... I, I just, got you. It's totally unnecessary. I mean, it's working great. Everywhere they use ranked choice voting, yeah. it works beautifully. Right. And it's 100% the will of the people. Gotcha. And it just it w- works. And we would know today who would have won. Freddie would have won. Probably. Um, yeah. In ranked choice. Because, well, I mean, based on these numbers, because if the second selection was this and that and that, nobody's first choice was Freddie and second choice gotcha. was Alice. Yeah. Right. I've, it's been interesting to look at the district, you know, how different precincts or yeah. areas of town voted, because it's it's pretty starkly different. I mean, there are yeah. some places where Freddie, you know, just blew Crushed it out. It. Yeah, yeah. And then there are some places where Alice blew it out. And there's a few places where Matt blew it out. So it's an interesting uh, dynamic to see how that. But I think you Sharon can do Hurd it. It is literally by average income. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. The higher the average income, the more likely they voted for Alice and then second for Matt. Except for in Antioch, which was interesting to me. Yeah, who who won Antioch? Al- Alice. Okay, I didn't, I didn't pay any attention to Antioch because I never pay attention to Antioch. Yeah, I know, that's true. I problem. wanted a soccer stadium there, but that's the only thing. Oh. So, um, so anyway, it's going to be an interesting six weeks. We're going to see how it shakes down. I think it'll probably be Freddie, uh, certainly by 60%. Would you say? Certainly by 60%. Yeah, I mean, I think Alice... I would take a bet at 65. Yeah. I think Alice, maybe, she got 20%. She might get 30%, but we'll we'll see. I don't know if Freddie's going to run any ads or not. I, if I was him, I wouldn't. Yeah. But if he decides to run any ads, they should just be simple clips of things Alice has said. I think that's exactly That would right. work fine. Yeah. So I, now, there were, there were some other elections. There were, but uh, I was going to move on to the right. vice mayor. I when, know. This which, is. I was looking at that one the, next, and I was like, the mayor of vice didn't see that coming. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Neither um, did uh, Mr. Schulman. I don't. I'm not sure he didn't. I, okay. I had lunch with him that day. Oh yeah. And he t- he had mentioned that the previous day, you know, he had had a a bad situation with the his last place of appointment at Safe Haven. Um, and that's a long and complicated story that I don't want to get into. But what, um, what, I'm, what does he, he do? Was, I have no idea. Well, what he, he does. was the executive director of Safe Haven, and he was basically which, which is a family shelter. Okay, got it. So it's a nonprofit. Uh, he was basically forced out of that position. He was accused of uh, behavior, not sexual, um, uh, but other behavior that. Um, apparently, the staff didn't like, and they had enough power to kind of uh, move him was out. He being kind of a butthead. I mean, the HR term is asshole, but I was just trying I to use the nice one. I don't want to get here. into that because I, I know stuff okay. and I, I, no, don't, I don't want to get in. I don't want to talk about that. But it, uh, Angie, from the beginning, ran a very aggressive campaign. Angie Henderson, who's now going to be our vice yeah. mayor, a very aggressive campaign, um, very critical of Jim and his uh, time in office. And so... Um, she was able to pull it out. It was a close race, though. Yeah. I mean, it's cut just Vice a mayor is such a weird job in Nashville. It is a weird job in it's Nashville. It's like so, like, I don't know. It's it's like you take that, you know, like with the vice president of the United States becomes the president of the Senate right. in the case of a tiebreaker right. vote, you know. 
Um, and the vice mayor has a little bit of that. Yeah. They're like the president of the um, president of the council, kind of. Yeah. But it's very weird. It's yeah. just a weird job to me. I didn't understand what I was voting for, but I did vote for Jim Shulman. The, the deal with the fair. vice mayor is that that a lot of folks don't know. I mean, they run the Metro Council. and um, So does that mean they run the agenda and they the run timing the agenda and the, and the and timing and the yeah. voting and all that kind of stuff? And so they determine whose mics are going to get cut off, if they're going to get cut off. Right. Um, they they determine what the agenda are or how how things are going to be structured. So they do I t- have a I, lot of... I take of this back. Kind of I voted back. for Angie, by the way. I just said I voted for Jim. I was thinking about something else. Yeah. I'm wrong. I voted for Angie. And that's fine. I voted, I voted for Angie only because she wasn't the incumbent. And if I'm not, if I'm on the, on any kind of a question mark, I always vote against the incumbent. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how she runs because she had um, a reputation in the council for being uh, somewhat fiery a little bit. I mean, she was, um, and I don't think the vice mayor can take that kind of a role. You really have to be kind of kind of balanced um i think well, the, that i think becomes the, critique, the thing that yeah that is a that's a tradition is it a rule no it's not a rule but i do think that the nature of the office is that you're trying to maintain a certain degree of civility within the chamber right civility civility, civility. i know that's i'll that's, look it that's, up that's missing in today's society yeah. but yeah. Uh, but i do think that in order to facilitate the conversation and get things to move on uh that sometimes you have to right you, you do have to be pretty even-handed in that role but yeah anyway i she'll do a good job she'll be fine and yeah. we'll have some a fresh voice and i get I, is she the no she's not the first female vice mayor i think we've had i don't one. know we had one, but I can't remember what her name is. I'm going like, and then we move to Metro Council at large. Do we do that next, or is that something that we should save for like in a couple of years? The Metro Council at large. I hate the subject. I mean, honestly, it's the dumbest category in all of the things we vote for. Right. As a voting, as a dude that was hanging out at the polls all day for the entire, it's like a 14-hour commitment, by the way, in case you ever sign up for this. Yeah. Uh, you get there at 6 a.m. and you leave at about 8 p.m. Oh, excuse me. But... The no one that voted in Old Hickory knew what it meant or who to vote for. No, that's no one. And 90, I'm going to bet. I don't know. So how many ballots were cast? Uh, Twenty nine hundred in our district. Um, so there were three hundred and eighty thousand. There were actually more votes cast for at large than any other race. Well, they had to be. There was one hundred and seven people running. There was well, not quite that many, but that much. But yeah, so um, so we have in the Metro Council at large, we had one of the forty five um, that was actually elected to one of the positions. Right. So that was and Zul- you could vote Zul- for five. Suara. Yeah. And you could vote for five. Um, What's interesting to me is that several of the folks, you know, in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth role, well, one, two, three, yeah, third, four, five, six, six position, who will all be in the runoff, were all folks that were supported by this coalition of liberal organizations, progressive organizations called the Nashville Justice League. So the Nashville Justice League got out the vote? Is this the, where we're at? The Nashville Justice League got out the vote. And I thought when I heard Nashville Justice League that they were like a Marvel comic. I did thought yeah. the same thing myself. I mean, how can you not? I, exactly. So a lot of those folks were endorsed by that Nashville Justice League 
uh, group. And so they did get out the vote, which was why we're going to come back to this conversation in the um, the congressional district over here. I can't remember yeah. the number. Uh, Ours? Uh, no, the one that um, is in... Oh, 52. 52. Yeah. That um, the Justice League supported candidate upset yeah. the the person that they thought was going to be elected. So Yeah, it was like a, they thought it was going to be appointed, kind of. Yeah. People don't like that. No, no. So I will say this. the I, w- I And I'll, I will do the math on this. And between right. now and the time of the election, when we have another episode to talk about, kind of we'll break it all down to some very simple things. I would like to once again invite Eastlick to come and sit down across America and have a conversation. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Or we can do them as individual interviews. I don't. Yeah, we could do them individually. I I would just be nice to see because Eastlick's never answered a hard question. Yeah, but we haven't gotten to District 11 yet. Oh yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say that the, you know, we'll break this down into something digestible because when I look at the at large. Mm Hmm. Uh, and I think about the numbers. Mm-hmm. I believe that we will find that, like in our little precinct, mm-hmm. maybe half the people that voted voted for an at-large at all. Yeah, most of them simply didn't vote. I think that's fair. And it's because you look at it and you have no idea. I yeah. mean, unless you've got like a full day or two. That's right. Like we do to sit and read the stuff and go through it and all that. And we don't really have time. We just make time. Mm-hmm. But. To go through and look at it. I mean, I had a list or else maybe I recognize if I could eliminate what we're doing here, I would have recognized four names. I knew more than that. Well, yeah, but you're super engaged. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I just, I don't like any of these people. Like my whole thing is that I find them all irritating. Yeah. So the, and so when, but like somebody that's a council person for Bellevue, Mm-hmm. I've just never heard of them unless they got arrested. Right. Right. And that seems to be the case as I watched people come in to vote. Right. You know, you can see everybody's ballots. I mean, right. you know, you try not to, but everybody's like, how do you work the thing? You know, yeah. you have to go like move that over there so you can see them. And and most the 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 person that won the election outright mm-hmm. was no selection. Yeah. Yeah. I can believe that. Yeah. I can believe that completely. Well, why don't we take a break and catch our breath, and then we'll come back to the district council races. Yeehaw! And we're back. And so uh, if I can figure out where my little display went. There it is. Let's uh, let's zoom on to some of the district races. We went obviously with uh, forty. We can't get to all of well thirty five. We can't get to all of them. Uh, but the only ones that matter are the runoffs. Well, pretty much are the only ones that matter. Unless so unless something di- weird happened. Uh, Counts, were- district council four: Devet Blaylock and Mike Cortese. That's a runoff. Right. They're about two percent apart. That should be an issue. Brian Sullivan. Uh, had been an activist in town. I expected him to do better than he did, but, you know, it happens. Uh, Sean Parker was reelected. That's uh, not did he, surprising. Did anybody run against him? Yeah, Terry yeah. Klinger. Uh, but he won by 76% of the vote. Yeah, uh, Emily, everybody likes Sean. Emily Benedict had somebody running against her. Uh, she won that. One of the closest races was uh, Metro Council District 9, which is Neely's Bend and parts of Madison. Tanya Hancock was the incumbent. Stephanie Montenegro was endorsed by the 10 Nashville Justice League. And is that a runoff? 
uh, it's not a runoff because Tanya won by 0.89%. Um, What's the number for a runoff? Uh, you have to have 50% plus one to oh, win. So she was over 50%. I'm actually looking at the um, Nashville.gov, so the Secretary of State's results. Yeah. And it doesn't show percentages yeah. because that would be another column. I'm looking at the Tennessean version. Okay. And uh, so Tanya had won by 34 votes. Um and so uh, Tanya has been serving out here for, and so she'll do another term. But Stephanie is probably an up and comer. She's uh, she's got some endorsement. She's definitely in sort of that progressive end right. of things. I think she may have a future, and we'll just kind of need to keep. It's interesting that, and this is you know the um, the Marvel Comics people. Yeah, um, that whole thing is obviously a backlash against the state legislature yeah and you're going to see it in every city in tennessee although there are only four um but you know there's there's a huge groundswell that you can feel in nashville of people saying out loud at this point used to be kind of quiet about it now out loud that you know since we provide 70 percent of the income that these people are divvying up right. maybe we should have some input and exactly. since we no longer have a representative in the in in uh, national politics right the uh, entire city and state we you know for my friends that listen to this outside of nashville mm-hmm. um it's important to know that we literally don't have a representative. The city of Nashville does not have one representative in Congress or no, the Senate. No, um, you can't neither. even reach the one in the district that we're in. Well, first of all, he wouldn't recognize the area code. No, exactly. So, I mean, if you called, it's almost you know, it's an hour and fifteen minute drive to get to his office. Right. And in my district and your district, they made it. Um, it's right, right at almost two hundred miles wide in order to get enough red mm-hmm. votes in it to change it but yeah. all that's been litigated but the deal is i think like the stephanie montenegro that becomes an indicator of you know these people that are growing in the party and they're going to grow in nashville politics yeah. and it's going to continue to get you know divided but i think concise stephanie ran a good race she did a lot of good retail politics cool. she did a lot of knocking on doors uh and she she um, was late getting in the race. I mean, I think she got in the day, the last day that you could qualify. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I think she's going to be somebody to look at. And that brings us to District 11, one of the runoffs, the district that we live in, the district yeah. that we actually interviewed, some of the candidates, at least. Almost everybody came. Almost everybody came. So uh, it ended up with uh, Mr. Jeff Eslick. Uh, getting the most number of votes. He got 38% of the vote, and Mr. Eric Patton getting about 36% of the vote. And then Sherrod Eddington and Joe DeLucas got uh, 21 and uh, about 4% for Joe. Um, I so think you got to think 100% of Joe DeLucas people are, first of all, they're not going to re-vote. They're not going to re-vote. No. If they did, they would all vote for Eric probably um only thing is they are anti-development and homeless people exactly and i think that i think it's going to be interesting to see how sherrod's um votes um move 
I have seen some folks that were shared supporters who have said that they are going to support Eric now. I think that's true in our little part of the world. It is, but it's the it's other not, part of the district. It's the that other part of the district. Yeah. So it's it's going to be really. I mean, this was a sixty vote spread. So and and again, one of the this is one of those things that voter turnout is going to make a yeah. huge deal. So here's my question about voter turnout, and I've talked right. a lot about this with our because of our district and neighbors and friends. Right. So the question becomes this: mm-hmm. people. The turnout is going to be motivated by the mayor's race. It is. So in our district, the no one in our district cares which one of those people is mayor, except for like 25 of us. So but these are, you know, from hanging out with them, they're just not engaged. I mean, most of them didn't know who to vote for. Right. Um, even one of my sons voted for Sherrod because uh, even though he wouldn't have supported Sherrod. Right. But he thought he had remembered that. Oh, right. Okay. It was like, and so the, there was no engagement, right? right? I mean, we, these are, what's our turnout number? Oh, it's about 20%. About maybe? 20% turnout. Of and registered voters. Of registered voters. It's about 1% of the total population. Right. So you got city. 1% of the people in the city are coming to make the decisions for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to get people in the districts that have runoffs? Like mm-hmm. what are there? Three? Yeah, runoffs. three or four. Three or four runoffs. Got it. So in those districts, you have to think, okay, who's going to turn out right. in those districts? Um, are the Eslick voters going to be so motivated to come out and vote for Alice right. that they go back to the polls to do it again? Because mm-hmm. you got to love Alice to go vote in September. Well, and the thing is, is I think they are. This is my concern is because Freddie... I mean, it would be one thing if it was kind of one of the more centrist Democratic candidates, because then they go, oh, well, you know, we may not agree with him, but it'll be okay. He won't do it. Right. Freddie's clearly identified as a progressive candidate. Yeah, yeah. And, a bit of a uh, firebrand in that world. And that is going to motivate folks on the other side who think that the nation and the city is going to go to hell in a handbasket if he gets elected. They right. can't win. They cannot but, win. But they, they're still going to, they don't understand that they can't win. They really don't. No, no. It's one of the things about conservatives in Davidson County mm-hmm. is they believe that Davidson County is a very conservative county. Right. And this goes back to these many conversations we've had that all surround district politics and the size mm-hmm. of the council in the first place. It's because people only live in their neighborhood. So if you live in my neighborhood, right. you know that it's balanced left-leaning. Right. If you live in... The um, Brandywine. Brandywine is a good example. Mm-hmm. Like if you live in Brandywine, you would think that this was the you know hardcore Trump district, yeah. right? And it just isn't. So let's talk about the two candidates in District 11. So Jeff Eslick, right. basically his uh, campaign He is running as Donald Trump. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he Anti-hate. was anti-homeless. Yeah. Anti-homeless. Going to close down homeless encampments. Yep. Didn't have a plan for that, but he's going to. I know where he's going to put them. But doesn't know where he's going to put them. He's just going to close them down. Beware in District uh, Ten because he's going to drive uh, them to you in a bus. Definitely running more towards more pro police. Those kinds of things. Eric is um, much more progressive yep. newbie, um, and probably has a harder way to go. Actually, I was surprised. 
because I would have thought that Sherrod probably would have done stronger. That was really going to ultimately be a campaign between Sherrod Nobody and in our part of the district knew who Sherrod was. Exactly. And he, no, did, he did not run for council. He did not run for council. He did not. He thought Larry Hagar's endorsement was an assurance that he would get the seat. And you could tell that when he came to our forum. Yeah. No, I think He was eye-rolling the whole thing. Exactly. So... All of that's to say, yeah, that's the problem. It's a, this is what I keep trying to tell folks is that retail politics makes a difference. Go shake hands. The Go reason that we hands. have a runoff in our district is because Eric, every, it's like very much like when my son ran one time and he was mm-hmm. like, I, I, you're looking at his votes and it's like there's 4,000 votes. And he's like, I guarantee you, I shook every one of those 4,000 hands. Exactly. <laughs> right? He says, nobody just walked in and said, I'm going to vote for that person. But he said... Everybody that I shook hands with probably voted for me. I mean, and that's what folks don't seem to understand. It's, and, and, you know, folks will ask me that I've had folks ask me to run for that seat before. Sure. And I said, ultimately say no, because I don't have the time no. to do what you've got to do to win. And, and to win, didn't, by you've got to show up at everything. Yeah. And his retail was not good. Yeah. But he spent the money to make up for it. That's right. And, you know, he ran on the whole fear tactic thing. So the people that showed up to vote against things, you know, voted for him. The people that showed up to vote for things voted for Eric. And it's, you know, these are, you know, I talk about this. I mean, it always comes off like I'm super anti and super liberal, which I'm not really. Mm -hmm. The, um, the, what I am is solution oriented and a pragmatist. And I did not see Eslick. First of all, he won't show up for anything if there's going to be a question asked. And I think that we would love to sit down and say, just show up and say what you're going to do. Happy to have you. I know you won't now because I've talked about you. But the, uh, the the other candidates showed up even when they didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they answered questions. And they didn't answer just questions that were set up for them. They answered all the questions mm-hmm. except for picking a restaurant. Right. Which was very political of them. Right. So, you know, it's like somebody has got to understand that you got to get out there and run. One of the things that... Eric did was he met everybody in the damn district um, and that's what got him in the runoff. Yeah. You know, I mean, can he win? I don't know. But I think the who wins in each of these runoff districts depends 100 percent on how many uh, on how close Alice gets to 40 percent. I think that's probably right. You know, so um, it looks like all the rest of the the districts, there's one other runoff. It's uh, and honestly, I don't know enough about that district. It's uh, District 29, Tasha Ellis and John Reed. And I don't really know enough about that district to be able to to speak to. I wonder if she uh, hang on. I'm I'm going there. I'm following you over there because it was. um, I can I just couldn't decide. How is that a runoff? How is this? 29? 20, yeah. 29. Because Tasha Ellis only got 44% of the vote. You get. Oh, right. So even though she got twice as many votes as all the others. Yeah. She didn't get to 50. Got it. She didn't get to 50. Because, you know, I'm looking at the government website. Yeah. And it doesn't have enough information to help you know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, she did. She only got 44%. So so I just wanted she, to have I, accurate numbers and instead probably a inaccurate. pretty good sign that she's going to end up pulling it out. Um, but we will see how that turns out. Um, so let's move on down to the district uh, uh, congressional races. Of course, the two Justins rewon their seats. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's uh, that was like a gimme, but the fact that the fact that people don't understand why 
people comment about systemic racism right. and act like it doesn't exist is yeah. weird to me. Yeah. Because, you know, in our little neck of the woods here, Justin Jones has run and won his district three times in yep. a year. Yep. Right? Um, and well, so uh, it's Justin Pearson. And Justin Pearson has done the same thing. And it's like, um, it's, <laughs> you know. This is like so funny that uh, modern Republicans still want to act like they're for saving money. Yeah, you know, I mean, Justin Jones came out after the last one. He said, "This is ludicrous. We're right. having a we're having a primary election in unopposed races." Right. You know. Yeah. This is these are silly, silly things. They are. Now, what about fifty two though? Fifty one was always it, a gimme. No, fifty one is the one that we're actually talking about. That's the seat. Oh, that's right. They switched those it's the, two. It's the state house uh, uh, right. district fifty one. Fifty one is the seat that Bill Beck uh, held. He was a a Madison fixture. He yeah. was well loved out here. He uh, that includes parts of Germantown. It includes parts of downtown East Nashville. Um, but Bill had a, a pretty sudden and tragic heart attack, yeah, and um, that sucked. Um, we uh, we said goodbye to him a few months ago, um, and so the race pitted um, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis had been a Metro Council person out this end of the world, um, and has is the owner of East National Brew Works, and was really good friends with Bill Beck. So when the Metro Council had to select somebody to fill that seat, they selected Anthony, who was going to run. Now, Afton Ben uh, is uh, Afton Afton Bain. Oh, that was nice. We won't do that. Is a um, young progressive woman who um, was very upset that the council selected Anthony because Anthony had already said he was going to run for the seat, and she had decided to run for the seat as well. Um, And so she went out and ran really hard. Um, again, I think did a good job of retail politics. She was endorsed by that uh, Justice League, yeah, yeah, uh, progressive thing. And I think it was Not a sure surprise. They did all their research very well, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, I, it, it was a surprise that she beat Anthony. Yeah. Anthony um, had been a fixture kind of around the community. I think a lot of us, including myself, thought that he had the inside track. But this, and, people hate the idea of someone being appointed by the government to take over a seat that's supposed to be elected. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. It's just a, it's just kind of a gut thing. You're just like, well, I don't want them telling me who to vote for. Right. And I, I think she was able to, to foment enough enthusiasm around that concept. I think that's right. Because it wasn't the record. I mean, she's a little wacky. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if I'd say wacky, but she. Well, I know you been, wouldn't, and you, you shouldn't, know. because well, you're you know, a person I, of I, respect. Yeah, and, and well, yeah. that's fine. But uh, the the deal is, is that I also think that she played well. Uh, Bill played well out in this end, in the Madison area, which is still kind of got a lot of older uh, Nashvilleians, a lot of folks that are. Um, more centrist in orientation, whereas I think she probably played really well in Germantown. I haven't looked at the actual breakdown, but I would not be surprised if she didn't do really, really well in the Germantown area, uh, in that sort of East Nashville, Germantown end of the district. Um, which I will means say I'm that, glad to have, 
you know, a progressive voice from those districts because they're progressive districts. Yeah, and it makes like sense. It makes sense to have that voice. It makes sense, by the way, to have Heidi and Jeff stay in the state Senate. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was not supporting Jeff mainly for that reason. I yeah, didn't, right. Don't I, leave. Don't leave. Stay we where you are. You. You're an incumbent in a safe seat. Yep. Keep the seat. Keep doing what you you're know doing. Know what you're doing. Uh, and so I'm not sad that he didn't do better um afton by the way is going to be running in the actual election uh against a gentleman named david hooven and uh who was running unopposed in the republican special primary um he got a total of 1500 votes uh afton got 5200 5200 in her primary so uh I have this strong, sneaky suspicion. Like she might pull it out? She's probably going to pull it out. <laughs> she's in pretty uh, good shape. I think yeah. she's in pretty good shape for that. And uh, uh, you need to read David's thing. It's kind of kind of interesting at some point. Just read David, his pl- who, Hooven, the Republican. Oh, oh. Read his platform. It, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you need to read it just for the podcast. I'm not going to speak negatively. I don't speak about my Christian brothers negatively, but... He's real Christian. Yeah. So he's got it bad. I guess I am too, but you know. Well, theoretically, as a pastor, you're that's a real what Christian. I'm supposed the to thing be. is, um, real Christian depends on the definition and the usage of the word real. Yeah. Yes. Real so, as in actual is different than real as in substantially. Yes. Gotcha. So six weeks from now, six weeks. We're all going to the polls again. And. Yeah. I am going to encourage folks. I'm going to preach a sermon here. Here you go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, folks, the reverend, the good reverend, vote, Jay Voorhees. damn it. Okay? Vote, damn it. Just go vote. And I don't even agree. If, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Just don't have it so that 20% of the folks that are registered, and it'll be even smaller than that next time. Yeah. You know, we're looking at 15% of the folks that are registered to vote in this city determining the direction for the next few years. Yeah. This is really important This is a thing that I actually talked about this on Election Day. This idea of making Election Day, uh, you know, first of all, doing it on a weekend and doing it on or making it a holiday, doing the things that we need to do. Uh, We had people coming at like 730 as we were like cleaning up, wanting to vote. And I'm like... Listen, from, I don't know, time memoriam, it's always been seven to seven, right? Seven it's to just, seven, it is right. what it is. Um, but then you got people coming that don't know where their district is. You got people coming that don't know who's running. You got people coming that don't have the self-respect or the common courtesy to use that sample ballot and go with a, a little ink pen and go right. like this one and this one and this one. So when you get to the polls, you can vote and your selection, you don't get there and forget. Oh, that sample ballot that we just throw away when it shows up. That in the one. Mail? Yeah. And you. it's like, it's one of the greatest tools. It is. In, especially in these, in these municipal elections. These are a lot of unknown names, right? I mean, we follow the council, and listen to what they're doing, and and I like to read the notes on Wednesday mornings after the council meetings, and I follow a bunch of people on social media that they're at the council meetings and see right. what's going. I I love this stuff. I'm interested in these things, and I don't expect anyone to do that. No, I do expect people to actually read about the people that are running, even if just go to their campaign website and read the paragraph about them. 
know what it is, know what they stand for, and then come in and vote for Lord mercy. It's easy. And the thing is, is I know we all tend to get a great turnout for the president and for the next election, presidential election, I'm sure it will be a, an immense turnout because there'll be some folks who, you know, concerning voting against this person or that person. Actually, I think in that election, we're voting against the two people. That is the The, only thing going on in the the presidential campaign campaign right now. So, but the deal is, is that these local races are really important, particularly yep. the mayor's race. I mean, this is this is going to, do the, to determine the direction of the city for the next few years. And are we, you know, for those of you that have been on the, um, I don't, I'm not happy with the direction Nashville's going in bandwagon. Then change it. Then change it. And by the way, a vote in this local election, we're talking about people that won seats yeah. by a dozen or two votes. It makes it's huge difference. So, friends, we're going to take a break, but go vote. Not right now because it's not time, but yeah, in six but weeks. Yeah, but soon. Do we? There's early voting. Okay, so here's the deal. I know it's six weeks, but I don't know the actual date. Do you have uh, the date? I, I do. It is. I will in a second. I do okay. know it. It's on my calendar, so I'll have it. When we come back, we will have the date of the next election, and we'll have some closing thoughts. So what is that date, Brian? Well, so a couple of things to know. Number one. The actual election day for the special election is September the 14th. Mm -hmm. So that's great. That's an important one. I'll be in Seattle. So the, or at least as of right now, I'll be in Seattle. Early voting starts Friday, August the 25th. Gotcha. Now, early voting goes on for two weeks. Yeah. Right? Until September the 9th. Gotcha. There's no excuse Right. You can vote at any of the early voting locations. You don't have to be in your precinct. You can vote at Madison Library, Hermitage Library, downtown at the uh, Watchamajigger Building. What's yeah. it called? Yeah. Yeah. Where all the, you know where you go get like building yeah, permits? Yeah. Howard the, School. Howard School. That one. I can it. never remember. Yeah. You can vote anywhere, but vote. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. Uh, we also are advocates for actually voting on Election Day. Of course, I love Election Day. Not going to be here. I but, have to vote early this time, which is the v- first time I will have ever done it. But we both, there's just something kind of, I don't know, commu- the communal experience yes. of There's a civic being, participation a, a civic thing. participation. Yeah. That's the word but I was I looking love. for. But I it's been a long it. morning. So, um, so anyway, all of us to say, please go vote and um, hope that everything is, uh, you know, that we... We hope that you go do it, please. Just go vote. Just go vote. Get a sticker. Okay, so moving on. Well, have you got anything you need to share? Any thoughts? Uh, no. I mean, it's been wild. It, it seems like the only thing I've thought about in Nashville for the last month has been the election. And that it's like over, and it was almost... Uh, that was an intense run, by the way. I mean, we have never done anything like this before where we had a council forum and interviewed eight of the candidates for mayor. And I mean, right. that it's it's completely changed uh, the timbre and the reach, by the way, the podcast has obviously grown quite a bit. And we're so glad that you've joined us. It's so cool. I'm, we're really happy you're here. And we we just want to create engagement, understanding, and awareness about things that are going on in Nashville get people interested and involved because man you look at these margins that we were just talking about in elections you know we might have in a small way changed the outcome of our district election i know that that was the most listened to episode in the last little bit right and i know that people were sharing it 
as a download to each yeah. other. Right? Well, People told me, I said, oh, yeah, uh, somebody sent it to me. Yeah. And so the these little bits of engagement and activity and participation can be so big and go find the person you like and then right. go tell your neighbor, hey, I'm voting for this person, um, you know, just and uh, let's go to the polls together. Absolutely. Well, as we prepare to leave today, I want to share kind of a sad bit of news. Um, Father Charles Strobel, who is the founder of Room in the Inn, Room in the Inn is one of our largest um, organizations that's working with homeless individuals. Uh, he passed away today. He was the, he was 80 years old when he died. Charlie was a friend. And mm. um, he grew up in Nashville. He, he won all sorts of awards for all of the work that he did. His uh, mother was Mary Catherine Strobel. There is a uh, an award that's given, the Mary Catherine Strobel Awards, given every year for um, humanitarian efforts in the city. And his mother actually lost her life uh, in while she was working with a homeless person. Really? And, um, but because she was committed to offering uh, care to anyone that she met. And Charlie uh, absorbed that in his life and took on uh, the task of helping uh, homeless people. He started when he was in a church. Uh, started inviting folks to sleep there, and it's expanded into a large organization. For those who don't know Room in the Inn, Room in the Inn is an organization that partners with area churches. And so every winter from November to March, uh, area churches will open up and they will take homeless people into their building, giving them a warm place to sleep, a place to do laundry and get a shower, and um, all of that through the night. And so uh, it's been an important work uh, that I've been engaged with from uh, a bunch of years. And uh, we're sorry to see Charlie go. Yeah, he was a, a shame. He was it's a, a wonderful man. organization. I've spoken at Room in the Inn uh, a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and participated and worked with people that have that have been beneficiaries of that uh that outreach. So it's been great. Absolutely. So, um, Charlie, we wish you the best. My memory of Charlie is I, I've been meeting with a group of started off with pastors, but just a group of guys for the past 25 years. And we meet regularly for breakfast. And it used to be that we met down at Nashville, down near music road, down on division and then Athens and uh, Athens. Yeah. We've met at a lot of different places, but what I remember in particular is Charlie had a group of guys that he met with at Nashville. And so we would sort of pass <laughs> one right. another uh, there. And I always remember them engaged in deep conversation uh, over in the corner. So Charlie, we wish you the best. Um, Listen, you know, Nashville, there's a lot of people in this city with a lot of heart and, there are uh, a bunch of organizations that that could use help, um, and so this is you know it's a good thing. The best thing you could do for him is to go research Room at the Inn and see if it's something you'd want to help participate in, uh, in supporting that charity. Absolutely. So. Well, I think that's it for today. It's um, it. I think we're even going to get by without a restaurant. I don't have a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, I went to only only went to restaurants that I've been to before. I went to Butcher yeah. and Bee this week. Oh well, that's good. Butcher and Bee's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been anywhere. And I have a joke that I can tell later about the the official half sponsor um, of all of B&A Podcast Fencing Needs, which, of course, as you know, is Rio Grande Fencing. I say half sponsor because they've only invited me to the soccer games in their yeah. corporate seats and not you. Um, but we'll see it one, one day. One Did day. they have seats for the Grand Prix? No. Oh, the, that's uh, too bad. Well, I mean, if they did. 
clearly our advertising our hasn't Ken's helped them enough there, to get them. Yeah, Ken went yesterday. Ken went yesterday. And, uh, yeah. But he's going to Oppenheimer today. I did okay. see Oppenheimer oh. at Opry Mills. Yeah. 70 millimeter IMAX. Did it fall apart on you? Cause uh, it was spectacular. Good. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Well, friends, so that's you my take fun care. For the um, we don't know when we'll be getting back together, but sometime soon we yeah, will. We'll talk to you talk before Election stuff. Day. And uh, if we can get folks online to do uh, interviews again, we will do that. But otherwise, uh, thanks for being here on the BNA podcast. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.